Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, River Valley. Everybody doing good today? Nice, good. The uh, the first service, I didn't know how long that video was, and I stood out here for most of it, and it was awkward. This one, I I nailed it. I was like, amen, right when it hit. So, good. So, going to be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. We are looking at permission to quit, what it looks like for your old life and the parts that, that you do really need to get rid of, that you need to change and grow through. What does that process look like uh, in the life of a believer and how God can truly grow us in our faith so that, so that the old ways, the old life, you can quit. You can li- literally move on from. So we're going to spend the next four weeks doing that. And uh, I'm going to actually preach out of the same, um, I'm going to use the same core con- uh, core text for all four weeks, uh, but there's a larger group of passages I'll go back a lot to and, and use for this. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4 beginning in verse 20 says, but that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming that you heard about him and that you were taught by him as the truth as is in Jesus. To take off the old, your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by sinful desires. That's number one, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Number two, number three, and to put on the new self, the one that is created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. And then Ephesians five sixteen says, making the most of your time because you know the days are evil. So, so four parts to this that you need to understand and you need to apply all of them. The danger in this is that you don't use all of them and you will uh, encounter an, some initial success, but it will not work long term. So, so the four parts are this. So number is take off the old. So last week we talked about, we compared our, old, our life to our old clothes and we're going to take those off. And so if you were not here last week, I can't tell you how much, how helpful it will be if you'll go back. Uh, and uh, go on YouTube. It's River Valley Bastrop uh, and just look that up. Watch that sermon. There's some homework that you decide, okay, what is it in my life that I'm going to take off? What is the the most important areas or the the, the areas that will really make the most difference if I will stop doing them? That's what taking off the old is. Today we're going to talk about renewing your mind and, and what that looks like. So next week we'll talk about put on the new, that, that once, we, once we get our lives right, we're going to put on the new. And then the fourth week, how to maximize your time. In other words, this is a long process. This is four weeks for me to unpack it. It's not four weeks and you're like done and everything's perfect. No, no, no. How do we maximize and use, use our time well? So today we're going to talk about renewing your mind. So again, the, 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 the way that you visualize this is, is with clothes. So I told Melinda uh, this week, like, hey, you can't dress me up this week. So I got to look as, as plain as possible. She's like, well, I can do plain for you. And so, so, but, so that's, that's why, you know, you just, I got a shirt on. This is all it is. It's nothing fancy. And the problem with renewing your mind is, okay, I've taken off these old clothes and, uh, but it feels, it, it feels uh, naked. It feels vulnerable to, to live in this. 
And you're going to be really tempted to move on from this stage of renewing your mind very quickly because it's not comfortable. You're used to wearing these clothes. Now, they need to change, but now you've got no clothes. So at least you're, you're going to be tempted to be like, okay, i got to speed this process up and go put on some new clothes. Go, go start doing some new things uh, because it, it does feel so uncomfortable to sit in this for a second. The problem with that is that if you do that and you, you don't look at how your mind thinks and operates and how to, how to renew it, then eventually you'll take those new clothes off and you'll go back to the old clothes. So you cannot skip this stage in your life. And the people that are going to have the most trouble with this stage are the doers. The doers. Some of you love to do. On your days off, you do things. You love to do. And that's the way God made you, and that's wonderful. But this is something on the inside. This is stopping and thinking about your life. And so if you just go do, do, do all the time, you really are going to miss out on what this stage is and that God wants to renew your mind. So four elements today that I'm going to talk about that he talks about in the text of what it takes to renew your mind. First of all, he said, renew in the spirit your mind. So the first, the first word is the spirit, the spirit. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came on the believers, that he looked like tongues of fire. And so this is the the symbol for the Holy Spirit. Now, also in the text, in other places, we see the Holy Spirit coming down and he looks like a dove. So I chose the fire for a very specific reason. I think it's much cooler. That's the reason right there. So so this this is a symbol of the Spirit of God coming inside of believers that he is like tongues of fire. Now, a couple things about the Spirit. First of all, you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a he. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a force. He is a person of the Trinity, just like God the Father and God the Son. He is the Holy Spirit. And we, we see that throughout the text, but, but in, this, in this passage, we see it this way. He says in verse 30, do not grieve the Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, has feelings and and feels things. So when we grieve Him, He is saddened by our actions. And so when we went through that that list last week as our homework, and you're like, oh, I do that. We're, We're grieving the Spirit of God. That's what it is. Now, be careful with this. Think about a grieving parent. You're a parent. You, you raise your children to act and to think and to, to do certain things. And they, they go off on their own and they abandon those things for, for maybe just for a, you know, a momentary lapse of judgment. Or they even you know, harder still, they, they, they choose and walk away from the faith of God. You as a parent are grieved. You don't say, well, you're no longer my son. You're no longer my daughter. You don't tr- cut, cut off, but, but you're grieved in their decisions. The, the Holy Spirit can be grieved in our decisions. It doesn't mean that Jesus is no longer Lord of our life. It means that there's a fracture, a, a fissure in our relationship that needs to be, to be mended. And especially if that same child were to come back to you and go, Hey, I'm really struggling I, 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 the, because I've made these bad decisions. I'm starting to struggle in my life. Can you help me out? And you would say, Yes, if you will change. I'm not going to support your life away from the things or the person of God so that you don't feel the consequences anymore. 
So in the same way, the Spirit of God says, hey, I've been grieved. I want to help you. I want to make this possible in your life. But I need you to understand that I want you to walk according to the way of God. Now, the Bible says that, that one, what we take off is, first of all, the former way of life, the ways that we brought, the, some of the sin that we brought in when we were first uh, saved. And then it also says to be careful to, to look around at the, at the people. The problem with, with the Spirit of God is, is, write this word down, is consensus. Consensus. In other words, we're going to be like, hey, what are you guys doing over here? What do you, hey, what are y'all, is, is everybody going to do this? Because I don't want to be the only one just wearing an undershirt here. It feels awkward, but if we're all doing it, it's okay. So, so you poll the crowd, kind of, and you're like, what, what's that? And, and, and then you say, you know what? Because some of us really, really don't like to disappoint people. We don't. Man, I am a, I am a world-class people pleaser. I love, I mean, I got into ministry thinking everyone's going to love me, and I was wrong. I tell you right now. So, but but, but I, I, lo- I love that. But then the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. But if I sometimes, if I follow the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to happen to the crowd? Boo! Boo! He's, he's not with us. He's against us. You're going to have to decide who you're going to grieve. There will be times where somebody's going to be mad. Who is it? Is it going to be the people or is it going to be Jesus or the Holy Spirit? You're going to have to decide which of those you are willing to grieve. When you aren't willing to grieve the people, what you think is that we'll all build each other up. And the Bible very clearly warns us of their, their, their destiny is destruction. Don't listen to those who are trying to get you to come along with the crowd. This sounds, I mean, it really does sound like if you grew up around my age, it sounds like an after-school special on peer pressure. I get it. But, but there's a lot of truth there. A lot of truth. Be careful about that. That, the, that, that people will pull you back in into the world in which you have, um, is destructive and hard. So when, when uh, in uh, people that, that catch crabs and lobsters for a living, if you've ever seen a, a crab trap, what's interesting about a crab trap is, is as they put uh, fish into the crab trap and the crabs go in there, when they take these crabs out and they, they transport them home, they have them in, in buckets a lot of times without lids. And these crabs, depending on the, this, the, the type of crabs you have, have ex- extremely sharp and powerful pinchers so that you could say, well, how long have you been crabbing? And you'd be like, five, uh, five years, all right? So, so you, you could really, I mean, like they, they're very, and, but, but these crabs, like they don't even have a lid and they're carrying this, this basket away from this crab trap. Well, why? Because crabs will never allow another crab to get out of the trap. They will always pull it down. Every single time. It's the way we are a lot of times when we do this with our friends. Like everybody that's in the crab trap is eventually going to the boiling pot. So you would think, you're like, well, if, if I can't get out, at least my friend can get out. Go, Bob, go, you're free. And it never works that way. It's no, it's pulling down. Like, hey, if we're all going to hell, we're all going to hell together. It really is the truth. Be careful who you are willing to grieve There will be moments where you will be alone and have to stand up against the crowd, against the culture, against your classmates, against those who you work with. There will be those moments. Decide now 
who you are willing to grieve. And also understand that this is a spiritual endeavor. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. The Bible says that the moment of salvation, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he comes with power. That's why I love the fire as the illustration. He comes with power. The Bible says he's not a spirit of fear, but he's a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. This is a wonderful moment where you say, you know what? I can't do this. And the Holy Spirit says, you don't have to. Just make up your mind, make a decision that you will follow me and not grieve me, even if it means grieving the world. So this is the way I wrote the, the, the question. Is Jesus the Lord of your life or not? The Holy Spirit empowers us to, the Bible says he reminds us of the words of Jesus. That's one of his jobs. He also empowers us to live for Jesus. So the question is, I mean, it really is that simple. Is Jesus the Lord of your life or not? You cannot walk in a middle ground where, where you want Jesus as a Savior, so he takes you to heaven when you die, but you choose him not to be your Lord where he shows you the life he wants you to live. The Spirit helps us to follow Jesus as Lord. So that verse says, um, first of all, we renew in the Spirit. And then the second part is our mind. Our mind. So, so we need to learn how to use our mind. Now, this is an actual brain that we took this morning from one of our middle schoolers. They haven't missed it. Uh, so, a bit. So, so we've got to learn how to use, how to renew our mind. In other words, there are some ways that we think that are incorrect. And we've got to renew this brain of ours so that we think correctly. And this happens for all of us. There's no one here that's like, I'm thinking perfect on every single situation. We've got to learn to renew this mind and say, you know what? This, this thing sometimes, it's not correct. It's not right in the way I think. And the, because of that, I need to let God take out that part and put in a new mind to renew our mind. So that the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. So we have to learn how to do that. And, and the, the, the idea here is deception. Deception. In chapter 5, verse 6, he says, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. See, sometimes we believe in our mind a lie. We believe that, that what we have been taught is actually good for us. Is that, that If I feel like it, that I should go in, I should do it. And we, we believe these lies, and it leads us, and it's a deception. So, so the Bible says that the, the Satan is the father of lies. But lies on, uh, unbelieved really have no power at all. If you would learn to renew your mind and be like, that's a lie, that has no power whatsoever. What has power is when you believe a lie, that's called deception. You now believe that that lie is true. So the Olympics are coming up this summer. I could tell you, hey, guys, you, you probably don't know this, but I'm actually a world-class athlete. And uh, I'm, I'm actually, a, a, you're like, well, with that body, it's got to be sprinter. Yes, it is. I'm a sprinter, you, you know. So I've been chosen by the, uh, the American team that I'm going to run the 100-yard dash this summer in Paris at the Olympic Games. Uh, my time right now is about a nine-second 100-yard dash. I think I could shave a little bit off of that. And so that, I mean, you know, like that's a lie. But but none of you believe it. You're like, dude, you cannot run a nine-second, hundred-yard dash. Looking at you, I'm not sure you could run a nine-minute, hundred-yard dash. So, so it's, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, it's, it's obvious. So no power, no problem in that. 
But if I tell you something and you do believe it, and then you base your life on that belief, you're in trouble. We base our life on deception, on believing a lie, on this is the way it is. This is the way to freedom. This is the way to uh, um, happiness and fulfillment. Then, then we have been deceived and we will be led. And, and the Bible says their end is destruction. We're following the crowd to a place called hell. Really and truly. So we've got to decide. Okay, how are we going to decide right and wrong? How are we going to decide good and evil? What, what is our standard for that? The Bible says in, in this verse that we just read that Jesus wants to teach us. Jesus wants, they are taught by Jesus. I love this. So Mel and I had this, this conversation. Uh, we, were, we were heading home and we had this conversation about the differences in our learning styles. Um, so, you know, I, I, I learn, I think and process verbally. So I'm, I like to be taught verbally. But Mel is hands-on. You can tell her all day long, but she has to, she has to touch it. She has to do it for herself. And so, so uh, you, you know... If, if the teacher doesn't teach that way, she's, she's not going to learn correctly. But, and so if in a group environment, if your teacher is not teaching the way that you learn, it doesn't, it's not, a, it's not a, who's smart or not, it's who, who learns that way or not. And so what's amazing about this, this text right here is that not that Jesus stands up and goes, all right, let's go to this class. Jesus says he will teach you. He'll teach you. He'll teach you. He'll teach you in the way that you need to be able to learn and to change and to grow. It's, 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 absolute, it's like having a tutor that knows you the best, that knows not only the truths that you need as you're willing to handle them, but also how to process them in your own life. So where does that, that come from? That comes from this standard. The Bible says Jesus is truth. The Bible also says that the word of God or the Bible itself is truth, is this representation of God. So here's the question. Is the Bible the word of God for you? Or not. Now the Bible's the word of God. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It doesn't change whether it's the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. But that's not the question. The, Bible, the question is, is the Bible the word of God for you or not? Do you make your decisions based on what God says in his word? Do you make right and wrong judgments? Do you make value judgments? Do you make life decisions based on the revelation of God presented in the word of who Jesus Christ is or not? It really is that simple. If you don't, don't just think that you're some island out there, some self-made man or woman. That's not true at all. You are simply choosing not to follow the word of God and to follow the crowd and whatever else anyone else has, has said. And the Bible warns us in this text multiple times about the danger of doing that. Is it the word of God or not? Now, here's the attack uh, in, the, in the last 10, 20 years for sure. Is that this, this idea that, that if you choose the Bible as, as, as your standard of right and wrong... That you're believing old, you're being old-fashioned, that it's it's dumb, it doesn't apply anymore, that it's all of these rules, that it's all of this. And, and, and it's, it's this picture of like, look, we live, when we don't live by the Bible, we live free. We can do whatever we want and we can be happy as, as, as much as we want. And the Bible paints the actual opposite picture. 
I feel like so many times what's happening, and I've, I've used this, and I'm going to continue to use this because I think it's so powerful. It's been so powerful in my life. I feel like the world right now are people in prison that are making fun of us for being free. They're in prison right now, and they're like, everyone I know is in here. Uh, every single person I know is right here in prison with me. They cook our meals for us the, every day. We get a, man, they provide our clothes for us. It is fun in the prison. And you're like, look, if you chose to believe that, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. Guess what? I'm going to go eat at Arby's. And some of you right now are like, why did he choose Arby's? Because I'm free. I can do whatever I want. All right? You can't. See? You pick your own restaurant. That's the point. Right? You don't get served something. My sister was in prison. She said her favorite meal used to be chicken surprise. I was like, why'd you call it chicken surprise? She goes, we were surprised if there was any chicken. So, <laughs> Listen, don't listen to the world making fun of you for being free. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ came. So that we don't have to live in prison to sin that ensnares us and enslaves us. That we can be free. Is the Bible the word of God for you? Or not. Number three, let's talk about the heart. The heart. Uh, by the way, uh, little little public service announcement. Men, the uh, uh, what is it? Valentine's Day is February fourteenth. All right, men. Valentine's Day is February fourteenth. Men, Valentine's Day is February fourteenth. I've told you three times. Now, if I wouldn't have told you, you would have gotten in a little bit of trouble if you didn't get it. But if you don't remember it now, he told you three times. All right, you're going to get in trouble. The heart. Let's talk about the heart. The heart represents feelings. Feelings. How we feel. Now, some of you feel, some of us feel at different levels, don't we? Do you know a deep feeler? I mean, do you know someone who feels like depth and, and in a way that you can't. It's not necessarily just all men or, or, or all women or all men, but there are people who feel, but all of us feel. All of us feel. And we, we don't, we, we like to think that we're very, very logical, but it's not true. We base so much of our lives on feelings, on the way that we feel. So feelings aren't to be diminished in Christianity. They're to be understood correctly. Where do feelings come from? Feelings are byproducts of our life. Feelings are byproducts of our life. What I'm thinking, if I think about it enough, I will feel that way. What I am doing, if I do it enough, I will feel that way. So there's no problem with your feelings. But if you decide on your life based on your feelings, well, then you're just going to say, you know what? I'll do whatever I, do. I want. I'll, I'll go whichever place serves me at this moment. And we, we let feelings uh, run our life. And so the Bible warns us in a couple of ways about this. It says, first of all, in this, in this text, it says, they are hard-hearted and callous. You can become hard-hearted to your sins. See, the first time you sin in any area, you feel guilty. You feel shame about it. Even if you don't understand the Bible... The Bible says he has put in us a, a, a mechanism, we call it a conscience, of right and wrong. And you know, I shouldn't have done that. But here's, you, th that feeling is just easily squished. 
You can get to the point where you do heinous, horrible sins, and you not only don't feel bad about it, you've now believed it's good, it's right, it's, it's something to be applauded in our society. Be very, very careful with hardening your heart to what God says is a sin. But then also, be very, very careful in letting your feelings lead you in a direction. Making decisions based on the way you feel. Well, you've, you've probably heard people say, you know what? I'm just not in love with her anymore. I'm just not in love with him anymore. And, and, and they mean the, those, those urges and those feelings anymore. Well, okay, I get that. And I actually agree with what you're saying. You're using the wrong word. And you're saying love when you're really just talking about feelings. But what happened? Why did you start feeling that way? It was because of your thoughts. It's because of your actions. You stopped thinking about your husband. You stopped thinking about your wife in positive, good ways that you could build them up. And everything that they did, you just, oh, just angered you. Like they're like, and you just concentrated on the bad. You concentrated on the negative, on the, the ways that they weren't doing what you wanted them to do as if they were there for you to control. And guess what? Over time, those feelings left. Absolutely. But that's not love. That's feelings. You know how to get them back? Start concentrating on the good. Start serving your spouse. Those feelings will return. Don't base your life on what you feel. So the way I wrote it is feelings are followers, never leaders. Feelings are followers, never leaders. Your feelings follow what you think in your mind and what you do, what we'll talk about with our body in just a second. They follow. If they're allowed to be leaders, they will lead you to some dark places. Feelings are followers. You can use them as a guideline for if you should or should not be doing some things because that's really an indicator of what's going on in your internal world. But if you use those to dictate what's going on, you're in a lot of trouble. So this is the question I ask. Do feelings dictate your actions or not? Do feelings dictate your actions or not? And I want you to understand this whole process. It's not fun all the time. It's not fun to grow. It is uncomfortable to take off the old and to sit here naked before and vulnerable before Jesus. It is not comfortable on the front end to put on new clothes. It's not comfortable to maximize your time and do it for the rest of your life. It's not fun and it's not always comfortable. But do feelings dictate what you do? Or do you say, you know what? I know if I will do what is right and I will think what is right, my feelings will follow. Absolutely. This is the way it works in everything. You guys, if, if you've ever exercised for any length of time, there's a, there's a, like on the front end, it's kind of fun to exercise because you're learning all this stuff. You're doing, but then there's a moment where you're like, I don't feel like exercising. Almost everyone gets, I don't feel like exercising. But you go anyway, you know why? Because on the back end, you'll feel, you'll be like, I'm so glad I went. I'm so glad that I did this. I feel better. But you've got to act opposite of what you feel in those moments. So we've got to let the spirit work spiritually in us. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to pay attention to our feelings, but not let them dictate us. And then number four, let's look at the tongue. The tongue. Now, some of you are immediately distracted because you are thinking about this band. What is the band? Nice. Rolling Stones. All right. So if you don't know them, grow up. All right. So, uh, so... <laughs> 
Some of you, you're like, I don't know anything about the Bible, but I know music, right? So there you go. So, all right, so I, I love that, that imagery of, of, of the tongue. And the reason is, is the Bible says in James that the tongue is like a rudder of a ship. The rudder of a ship, a steering wheel of a car, if you want. The tongue is, even though it's small, this small rudder on the ship, it steers us towards where we are supposed to go. So we need to use our tongue correctly. Some of you read um, this week, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building others up in Christ Jesus. And you were convicted. You were convicted. I was convicted. I was convicted about let no coarse joking come out of your mouth. I was like, uh-oh. I'm telling you, right? I don't say it on stage, but yeah. So we got to be honest here. And we're like, I'm using my tongue incorrectly. My tongue is steering me away from God. And so I've got to let my tongue steer me towards God and quit acting like, the Bible says, that I, I can bless God and curse God with the same tongue, with the same mouth. Don't do that. You cannot do that. The Bible says a, a spring of water can be salt water or fresh water. It can't be both. So we've got to make this decision that we're going to let our tongue choose or, or lead us like a rudder in where we should go. So I wrote, the, I wrote the, the question for this, and then I'll unpack it all for you. Will you let the tongue dis, uh, direct you to Jesus or not? <clears throat> now, I'm really, this is my question this week. I'm pretty good at the first three. I've not been great at this one. Now, I talk a lot about Jesus with people, but what I'm talking about right now is verbalizing what God is showing me in my life, like literally verbalizing. In other words, saying it out loud to help me steer my ship. Verbal affirmations, if you, if you, if you ever heard that concept. But it's not me looking in the mirror and going, you're awesome and you're wonderful. It's me letting scripture, me saying scripture out loud to help me steer. I don't do that very well. I do it all in my mind. That, that's the, I do it all in my mind. And so, so God is, is challenging me to, to uh, we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to him. I'm, I'm trying to learn scripture, which I've always done in my mind, but out to say it out loud so that it will steer me away from the old and it will point me towards the new. So these, these scriptures in, in my life that are, that are there. And so that's what your homework is this week. Put that homework up there and I'm going to unpack it for you for just a second. Because I don't want it to frustrate you. It's not hard. It's, it's very uh, life-changing though. So the homework is to find, pray, and verbalize Bible verses that deal with your specific take off the old actions. So last week, the, the, the homework was to find the take off the old actions. If you've not done that, then you can't do the second part. So just go back and, and watch that video, and it will help you unpack that. Because he doesn't want you to have 400 things that you have to do. We're talking about the most important, the, what's the one take off the old action. And then I'm going to, once the Holy Spirit shows me what that is, I'm going to go find verses about that. You're like, well, I don't know the Bible very well. Well, let me tell you what. Let me tell you about my great, great friend. His name is Google. He is fantastic. In the old days when I was preaching, I had to go up. I have all these reference books that I had to go and look up. And they were, it was time consuming and they were big and bulky. I don't do any of that anymore. I do exactly what you do. I'll be... Bible, start when you Google, 
put Bible in there. It's really important, all right? So <laughs> put Bible verses about whatever it is, you know, like lying was one of the things. Bible verses about lying, and it will come up with all of these verses about lying or whatever it is that God told you was your take off the old action. And those verses are going to be your Bible study, your quiet time for this week. So what, is the, what does the Bible say about these things? Now listen, don't let someone steal this God moment from you. You're going to see from some really good pastors even, some like, you know, what, what this famous pastor says about this. Don't do that. Look for Bible verses. Don't, like, don't, look, don't read articles. Don't, look for the Bible because he will show you in a way that will be specific to you, towards you. Remember, we're taught by Jesus. So let, I mean, I'm talking like, don't even print off these verses and read them off a page. I mean, print them off, but then look and then open them up in your own Bible. Read the, read the context or the story around them. And some of them you'll be like, oh, that's good. But some of them you'll be like, oh, that's for me. Like there will just be a, there will just be a spiritual moment that God's like, boom, and he just implants it. That's your, man, that's your verse for that, for that day or that week. And you just, man, you hold on to that verse. So it says, find it. And then secondly, you pray it. I want you to pray that scripture back to God. God, I see that I'm supposed to take off the old of these sins that I've been repetitively committing. And I see what you say about that. And I just want to acknowledge that and agree with you. And then verbalize, verbalize, say it, say it in those moments where you're tempted to go back. This, this verse will start to, start to break hold. The Bible says you take hold of every thought. And this Bible verse will sometimes just come into your life. And you'll be like, oh, I'm tempted right now. Should I lie or should I do this? And, and this verse will be your power source for doing that or these verses. It, it's, it's absolutely amazing how much this works in your life. Now, you, you just got to go and do it. And, and, and it does work. And it works 100% of the time for everyone. 100% of the time for everyone. I'm not saying how long it will be till God gives you this. So if you're in it for a whole two minutes and, you know, and then you're out, like you're, you're, not, you're not doing it. You're, I'm telling you, do it until he shows up in this verse or this way and he tells you, and I guarantee you, God will do something amazing in your life. And he will give you power to overcome, to take off the old and leave it off experience freedom in christ absolutely he will and he will protect you he will begin the process because most addictions or things that we, we've taught brought in from the old life we're going to go back like we won't hit it perfectly every time but he will show you a process to get you so you really do say you know what that's no longer that's there and i need to be aware of it but that's no longer part of my life anymore god has freed me and it is for freedom that Christ set us free. I invite you right where you are to bow your heads. And I want to begin in this, this sermon. This, or this is so important that you understand. If you try to renew your mind without the Spirit, your will, you will fail. You will absolutely fail without the Holy Spirit in your life. He is there to teach you what to do. He is there to empower you. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, well, then let's get him. How does that happen? The Bible says that on our, 
on our salvation, at the moment of our salvation, that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and seals us. I've, most of the time, I'm almost always, you don't see him come inside of you. Most of the time, you don't feel him come inside of you. It doesn't change the truth. I have known people who have seen the Holy Spirit come inside of people. I have known people who have felt the Holy Spirit come inside of us. Most of the time, that's not true. It doesn't change that the Bible promises that upon our salvation, he comes inside of us and seals us. So if you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit. So today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, one of the millions of reasons to do that is so that he will give you the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he's the promised counselor who will come when Jesus ascends into heaven. And he will teach you right from wrong. He will show you next steps. He will empower you to live for Christ. He will point you towards the people and the person and the purpose of Jesus. But you don't get the Holy Spirit by asking for the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit by bowing your knee to Jesus as Lord. So today you can ask Christ to be the Lord of your life. Jesus, come in. Forgive my sin. Set you free in Christ. Believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he came alive. The Bible promises that he will send the comforter. He's also called the comforter. At the moment of your salvation, let Jesus forgive your sin and today give you the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. And he's a person of the Godhead, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. His main purpose is to point us towards Jesus uh, and who he does. But it, you, you, he is a real person that is in you and with you. It's okay to pray to him and talk to him and just say, Holy Spirit. Will you help me in this process? It's okay to say, I know I've grieved you. Maybe my language or my actions, my thoughts or my desires, I know I've grieved you. Holy Spirit, I want to live different. But I don't want to do it with my willpower. I don't want to change saying, I can change, I'll do it. Holy Spirit, I need your power. Help me. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending him. May we use him well to point us to your grandeur, your magnificence. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Stand to your feet. The Bible says that we use our tongue. It steers us as a rudder. Today, this moment, I want to invite you to use your tongue to steer you as a rudder towards Jesus Christ through worship through worship, don't think worship in your mind. Worship God with your tongue and watch your body follow. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family 
is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.